Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I didn't know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid, or yes, the Intrepid Trio. Can't remember which show I'm doing at the moment. Uh, it is Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And joining us, uh, well, two weeks ago, we had a Marvel rookie with Ethan Sachs. Uh, then last week for our 200th episode, we had current Marvel veteran Ryan North. And then today we're being joined for the kickoff of the next 200 issues, uh, a Marvel legend himself, uh, one of the co-creators of one of my favorite Marvel books from when we were kids, and that's the West Coast Avengers. Uh, I can only be speaking about Bob Hall. How's everyone doing? Hey, I'm good. Hello. So now currently you're working with Valiant Comics? Oh, I'm doing the occasional work for Valiant. I'm doing a cover here and there. The Valiant, uh, new Valiant is not, uh, it's, it wanted its identity uh, to be something new. And so it has hired very few, if any, of the uh, guys from the 90s. But I, I'll, I do something for them occasionally because okay. uh, they're, they're nice. <laughs> they, and they call me up. They take pity and call me up and, and want a cover now and then. So I'm doing a cover right now. That's what I'm doing awesome. at this moment. Now, going way back when, um, what? how did it come about with the editors at the time coming to you about West Coast Avengers? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it's too long. It's too long ago. You expect me to remember back then? Um I, uh, Roger Stern and I, I don't remember if Roger, see if Roger and I had worked together before, but we had known each other for quite a while. We had started in the, uh, uh business about the same time. I remember, uh, in an early seventies, uh, comic con in New York, uh, Roger going through my portfolio and, and uh, looking at some stuff I'd done along with, uh, I think Bob Layton was there and, uh, Roger came on board with the editorial staff. You know, I was an editor at Marvel for about six months in that first round of uh, of uh, when they started hiring editors and going to a little bit more to the DC idea that they would have sub editors. Um, Roger was was came on board at that point. I believe he was an assistant editor, but so we'd known each other for a while, and I hope that he asked for me because of that. Um, but uh, I just got the call saying, do you want to do West Coast Avengers with Roger? And I, of course, said yes. 
So that's that's all I can really remember. I don't think there was a, there wasn't a whole bunch of discussions about let's develop this or 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 something. Uh, it was just a plain old want to do it, and I said I did. Okay. Now, did you think that the that the four shot or the four issues four four issue mini y'all were doing was going to eventually end up becoming a hundred and two issue run? Uh, no, uh, it was not presented that way. But it became kind of obvious that it was catching on as it went, and it was likely that there would be um, a uh, a series. And you know, I don't remember whether I was whether they talked to me about the series or not, I do remember that I was doing something else. Uh, it wasn't as if by the end of the uh, miniseries, the uh, monthly series was so obvious that uh, I would keep my uh, my time open. It was it was a, there was a delay there before they decided to do the, um, the the run. And I think I may have been doing Squadron Supreme um, by the time they they launched it. I'm not completely sure. I, again, it's been a long time, but I know I was doing something else that prevented me from from doing the actual series. I would have. I love to have done it. Okay. Where did the decision come of which characters would make up that initial team of the West Coast Avengers, at least for the miniseries? Um, again, almost no idea. You know, <laughs> uh, the the concept of co-creator, I like it because you get, uh, occasionally you'll get a, a royalty from something odd that you stuck in a book somewhere and, and that they, they reuse in some way, especially if they happen to do it on one of the TV series. But that term co-creator is, is, a, is a fairly recent. Um, it certainly wasn't in vogue in the 1970s and 80s. And uh, my sense, if you asked me who created West Coast Avengers, I would say, uh, Roger Stern, and to what extent Roger worked with the editorial staff on it um, is uh, I don't know. I got I got called in at the point where it was a go, and that the characters were set, and that was that was fairly common in Marvel. The first I think there's more uh, give and take with the artists in terms of creation perhaps now than there was then, and I don't I don't want to discount my or anybody else's uh, work on. Some projects I know that artists really generated those projects or that they were really part of the discussion uh, when uh, the X-Men were created, for instance, um, in Giant X-Men, whatever. Uh, oh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name now. And he did Black Fox and stuff. But, uh, but they were those guys were late. That was a co-creation thing. Uh, I, I I feel that that Roger created the the concept and that I did the drawing. Um, again, not not uncommon as to the way things worked back back in the day. Uh, so I don't really know why the uh, characters were uh, who they were. I think it was a chance to use some of the uh, characters that they didn't feel could sustain their own books, but that they loved, like Tigra and Wonder Man. Um, and uh, Hawkeye uh, was the star of the series. Iron Man was, was part of it as well. Uh, and I don't know whether that was because uh, Rhodey was the uh, 
I wasn't the Iron Man at that time. Um, but they usually would put in any book uh, of a new, that was a new group book, a couple of superstars to try to carry the book. So when I first started at Marvel, for instance, I was doing uh, The Champions. And uh, while the Angels, the Angel and Iceman man have always been, they've never quite been an a- A-list characters and the X-Men had was kind of a flop at that point. So the, the, the group was uh, spearheaded by Ghost Rider, which Ghost Rider in a, in, a, in a group book didn't make much sense, I don't think, but it, he was there because his book was popular. And uh, so I, I imagine Hawkeye and uh, Iron Man were chosen uh, because they were popular characters, iconic characters. And I also feel that um, uh, West Coast Avengers was one of the places where Hawkeye was given a chance to shine. And maybe that maybe they had that in mind, too, that he, he probably was a character who could uh, carry the group, even though he had been uh, one of the uh, um, supporting character Avengers in the series up to that point. But he'd always been a, a character that people liked. So I think that's why they were there. And there was a, there was an equal mix of of uh, uh, muscular men and, and sexy women. And uh, they were they were uh, Tigro looked great on the beach. That might have had something to do with it. Uh, so so that's sort of the long winded answer. I, I will say I love the makeup. Um, I probably read more West Coast than I did regular Avengers. And I thought they were, and I, I thought they were fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a totally different vibe and feel to it uh, to the series. It, it, um, it, it. I think Roger was quite successful in in writing it for a California feeling. Um, there was there was something about it. They were the laid back Avengers, and and it, and I think it worked for those characters. They were the right characters to do that. And uh, uh, I, I find Hawkeye an interesting character because he's uh, of the characters in Marvel films. I think he's the one that's that's the most different from uh, in film from the character that he uh, was in was or is in the comics. And uh, uh, I've, I've wondered. I don't know quite. Why I I'm not party to that, but uh, I, I've wondered if maybe because they gave uh, Tony Stark, who had been a fairly straight uh, character um, in the in the comics, and they they made him a wonderfully wiseacre kind of wisecracking person, and maybe they felt that when it came down to Hawkeye, that they couldn't go that route with Jeremy Renner, who's a, a wonderful actor, but is rather doer compared to the uh, Hawkeye in the comics. And you know, if I were to cast anybody as Hawkeye, Hawkeye, it would have been, it would probably be Chris Pratt. I think he uh, fits the feel of, of what Hawkeye was in the in the comic books. So he's he's really uh, changed over the years, but uh, but he was a, a, I think a wonderful and quite a popular and beloved character back back in the day. You talk about uh, casting uh, somebody different as Hawkeye. And I think what uh, what some of our listeners may not know is that you have a very strong theater background. Uh, I would like to to know just how. How much of that theater background crosses over into into your artwork? Do you take things like, well, this is like a more dramatic feel to it or uh, just anything that I guess cross pollinates is the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, I think all of it. Uh, the the uh, But in, in, 
in sort of subtle ways. It doesn't mean that I've, you know, incorporated uh, Shakespeare into the comics uh, as much as it means that I uh, was trained to tell stories in a variety of ways. And uh, and I like the, the storytelling aspect of, of comics, uh, you know, so that they're more than just pretty pictures that they, they, they we, we all know that, but it, and it seems obvious. But I, I feel the theater background actually uh, kept me working in comics. I, I, uh, uh, when I started, I felt I, I was not um, really nearly as good an artist as I am now, I, I hope. And as I became, uh, it was a pretty earn-while-you-learn kind of business back then. And uh, people who could tell stories had a had a chance of getting into the business, even if their art skills were, even if they weren't Neil Adams, you know, they, if their art skills were, were, were solid enough, um, they assumed you would get better and improve. And almost everybody felt, uh, I have a choice between never making a deadline or, or doing good draftsmanship. When you first start, there just is, is the feeling that, my God, I'll never get this done on time. Uh, and, and, or if I want to get it done well. And you find as, as the pressure mounts to no, no, you've got to make the deadlines. You began to say, OK, I'm just going to close my eyes and hold my nose and turn this in. But I feel that my um, storytelling was pretty solid um, from from the beginning and uh, that I had a, a repertoire of knowledge that wasn't just comic book oriented uh, to, to bring to, I don't mean smarts knowledge, I just mean that I, I knew something about period and uh, um, a different range of, of characters that I that I could draw on. And uh, but I also knew how to make this story have a beginning, a middle and an end. And uh, and then there was stuff like, you know, I'd done a lot of stage directing. I was primarily a director and uh, I could block people in different positions. And I'd, I'd done a lot of scenery design. So that got me a little bit ahead of the game on on backgrounds and and um, that kind of stuff. So it, uh, it it had a it really had an effect. Plus, I, I I tend to kind of act out the characters. I try to say all the dialogue in comics out loud and feel my way into the characters. And I think that helps. I think everybody ought to do that. It, yeah, I think it really helps you get a sense of what the characters are doing and uh, how they're different from each other. So I think I think it helped a lot. Were you there? I, yeah, I remember when um I remember when West Coast Avengers first came out. I now, I grew up in a small town, and so we didn't have a comic shop. You had to get your comics from the convenience stores on a rack. And I just, I where, remember where, where'd you, where'd you Where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? I, I grew up uh, in a town called uh, Ripley. It was about an hour north of Memphis, Tennessee. And um, wow. And, and I just, I remember, and that, I, I remember that cover. And, you know, there's an image of Hawkeye on the cover, and I see West Coast Avengers. And I was like, okay. And it was number one, and I was a sucker for a number one anyway. So, I, yeah. I remember I remember just grabbing that book and I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, this feels like the Avengers, but it's different. It's fun. And what the heck is a compound? I and I I had to go because I'm a research nerd. I always have been. I had to look up because there's. I just remember there being this conversation because somebody called where they lived in the state and, and they said, no, it's a compound. And they said, well, what's a compound? It says it's like an estate, but different. And I had to go and look that up. And so for that, that's the one. Th 
and I learned something different. And I was like, because otherwise I wouldn't have known about compound until somewhere later in the 90s. And, you know, compounds were, mm-hmm. you know, and now I, I'd never heard of a compound until that point. And I was just like, huh, learn something from a comic. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so, but I just remember yeah, how fun that book was. Yeah, if we were doing it today, I'd probably have to, when I think of compounds today, I think of uh, iron gates that open and close with lots of security guys uh, keeping people from getting in. And I think the Avengers compound in, in when we did it was uh, uh, pretty much just a uh, big Spanish villa with a swimming pool. Um, and, and you know, because you sort of thought, well, they're the Avengers. They don't need any security, you know. <laughs> they can handle that. And uh, I think you'd do that much differently today. But uh, I certainly enjoyed doing the uh, doing the research on it. I think I had to go out and, and buy some California travel magazines to uh, figure out what that mansion probably would uh, might be like. Uh, and uh, I, I, I kind of wanted the feeling that they'd, uh, they'd bought something that, uh, oh, some, some silent film star might, might have, Rudolph Valentino or Charlie Chaplin might have lived in it prior to the Avengers. So. It was, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. No, so now I seem was it somewhere? Now I might be imagining this, but was there somewhere within that four issue in the miniseries? Uh, did they give like a layout? Because it seemed like I remember there being a layout of the compound, and you know, it seemed, I re- it seemed like there was re- space re- somewhere re- for a quintet. Yes, I remember that as well. And I did, what I don't remember was whether I did it or not. I don't think so. I think that's the kind of thing that Mark Gruenwald used to put together because he loved have, having everything uh, have a diagram uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that if uh, all, all that information would go into the Encyc- Marvel Encyclopedia in, uh, in some way or the other. So I don't think I did it, but yes, I remember that. Well, yeah, okay, you're absolutely right. So I guess the I question whether, is... No, go ahead. Now, I'm, now i got to look. Now I'm going to have to look at the series to see if it's in there somewhere. <laughs> I think I remember seeing it in one of the official handbooks of the Marvel Universe. That's where that's where I that's what I was trying to refer to. Yeah, I think that's where I I remember it as well. And I and I think it may be I've been on a page where I did one of the characters or something. But anyway, so uh, uh, do do the Avengers. Well, okay, did the Avengers actually own that or was that one of Tony's places? Oh, everything, everything was it was kind of loosey goosey. I don't think we ever really clearly got it, but I think it was Tony leasing it to the Avengers. Okay. Now, if I were to if I were to develop series myself today, I, w- I would have had them, uh, I, w- I would have had something, uh, at least a flashback about them buying the real estate, who they bought it from, and would have worked that character in as knowing something that uh, none of them knew about it, and, uh, you know, that it was already, that the, that the uh, that whoever the real estate agent was, was uh, being controlled by the equivalent of Vladimir Putin or something. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd, I'd never, yes. I'd never dealt with, with California real estate up to that point. I never quite understood the ins and outs of, of, the, of the, the specialty of, of what those people are like. Would have been a fun, would have been a fun character. Anyway, <laughs> okay. we didn't have, didn't happen. You mentioned having drawn some of the characters in the in the uh, the official handbook. I, off the top of your head, can you? Think of like roughly how many different characters you've drawn over the years. Oh, God, no. 
Okay. <laughs> Good answer. They, I, 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 did, I did most of Marvel's characters on the Avengers side. Um, and and I, I always thought of Marvel as being the Avengers side and the X-Men side once the X-Men became so popular. And um, I, uh, I, for no particular reason, pretty much stuck to the Avengers um uh, characters, uh, I, I always liked them more than the X Men. I, I I don't mean that qualitatively, just that they were they were ones that I had. Uh sort of uh, gotten in, reinterested in comic books. You know, I'm from that era that uh, you stopped reading comic books when you were about 12 years old and became interested in girls or sports or cars or something. And and, and comics were almost designed for that to happen. You know, the whole idea was that uh, uh, they would, it was, this was, you know, I, I reached that age in, in the, just exactly in the pre-Marvel era. And uh, uh, DC would even reach cycle old stories and, and redo them uh, with whoever the current artist was. So Kurt Swan might draw a Superman story that was, you know, slightly changed, but basically the same uh, premise that uh, Wayne Boring would have drawn back in, in the early 50s because they thought, well, this is generational. You know, these these kids haven't heard these stories, so we can reuse them. Uh, and, and of course, you couldn't you couldn't do that. Today. Now, that happens today, but but it's not intended. You know, you, you, you'll, you'll sometimes, sometimes I'll see something and say, I, I remember we kind of did that premise back when, and this is different, but, you know, but it happens that way as opposed to just consciously recycling the stories. So, um, uh, when I became reinterested in comics in the 60s, I, I was being, becoming acquainted with the basic Marvel cast, you know, for Captain America. Um, and, and I loved the Fantastic Four, et cetera. And, I, and I, Iron Man, I really loved those characters and, and probably enjoyed doing them the most. Plus, uh, I was old enough that I could uh, buy used comic books when I was a kid. They, they had them for unbelievably for two cents a piece at the local Salvation an army store and they they would often have all these comics from the 40s including some old captain americas and things like that which uh have become lost to dust my mother threw them away like everybody else just did and back then and uh i should i don't even want to look up what there was now but but for that reason anyway that's that's my explanation for why i i liked the avengers side and and uh if given a choice stuck with that okay how you you talked about how you got back interested in comics, what brought you into the actual drawing them? Uh, I had always been able to draw, kind of, and I, I was okay at drawing, and I, I uh, was pretty good at portraiture. I, I was not, uh, hadn't really studied figure drawing, but um, I could kind of do it, and I put myself through school doing posters for the uh, theater department, the student union. You know, this is pre-internet, so you couldn't pull stuff off. Everybody had to have an actual artist do the lettering uh, for posters and and then the, the the imagery and stuff. So. The, um, when we lost you, you were talking about where was I? you were working on posters for like the 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 theater department and student union because uh, that was back in the days before Google and you couldn't just pull images, so you had to have your own artist to do all the lettering and whatnot. Yeah, it was one of those times when I was a kid. Every town had two or three really really good commercial artists working. 
for them because it, it was the only way you got got ads and stuff. But um, so I was doing that kind of work and uh, on the side, and uh, I was going to move to New York because uh, I didn't want to get into academia. I wanted to actually get my try my hand at the theater in New York City. And uh, was going to move to New York and uh, went out and visited some friends and, you know, stayed there for a little while to sort of see what's like and realized, oh, my God, this, you, this is really tough that um, everybody who moved out there was uh, scrounging for dough. By the time you got an apartment and got yourself set up, if you weren't independently wealthy, uh, it, it, was, it was a tough road to hoe. And I, so I, I began to realize I need some sort of marketable skill. And I had a friend who was really into comics. He was an actor and he was really into comics. And he said, well, why don't you think about drawing comics? And I remembered comics from when I was a kid as being, some of them were, were great, but there was other stuff that was fairly simple. And I said, you know, well, yeah, I think I could learn to do that. Well, he started showing me comics. And, you know, it was like the first thing he showed me were, were Conan's by Barry Windsor Smith. And uh, Joe Kubert was just starting to do Tarzan, and uh, uh, Bernie Wrightson was doing the Warren horror comics. And... Um, and, and DC horror comics and Neil Adams was in his heyday and Jack Kirby was just about to leave Marvel and go over to DC. Um, John Buscema was doing the surfer and stuff like that. You know, it was, it was, and I looked at this stuff and said, this is crazy. I'm, I'm crazy. I, I can't do this. These guys are really, really good, but I want to do it. Uh, I became just obsessed with the idea of, of, of storytelling of, of the, and that you're in, you know, you become one reason I think you become a director is you have to be kind of a control freak. And um, it, the comic books really appealed because, you know, you can, you're, you're doing it, you're kind of doing it all yourself on some level. And uh, um, you may not be writing it, but, but man, you're, you're, it's as if somebody gives you a play script and you're directing it, but the actors really do what you want. <laughs> they always know their lines. It's, uh, uh, and, 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 and I'm being facetious, but the, the creative aspect of it just seems to me like what a wonderful medium. I had no idea how I thought this was still a, a, a kid's medium. And um, I, it, it took me by storm and I said, God, I got to learn how to do this. And so I um, uh, read them voraciously and uh, practiced incessantly and put together a number of portfolios which were rejected. And then um, finally got some work from Charlton, which was the place where everybody sort of got their start in that day. Because there weren't that many comic books publishers and the one that was pretty low rent and didn't have a big budget. And so they'd hired you and give you a chance was Charlton. Um, and just about the time I started working for Charlton, John DeSema put an ad in the back of Marvel Comics um, that he was going to start teaching a class. And if you lived in the New York area and brought in your portfolio on this certain day and he thought you were had at least some promise, you could take the class. And so I signed up for that. And uh, I was lucky. And at the end of the class, it was nine months with John Yosema, which is not to be sneezed at. And uh, at the end of it, John John got me the job at Marvel. So that's the story. I remember those ads. I remember those ads in the backs. And I remember thinking, man, I wish I lived in New York. But of course, like being a kid at that time, I, I figured, you know, I it's got, you never know. He might let me in. I can draw a stick figure. But uh, yeah, well, because... You know, there were there were some talented people in the class and there were a lot of people that were fans. And John had expected he had expected, I think, people that were 
sort of like him in the sense of being somebody who was trained in commercial art who then would get into comics. And I think he expected a, a bunch of trained artists that he would then show how to how to convert that ability into comics. But it was the 1974-75, I think, uh, fall of 74 into the spring of 75. And it was the beginning of of the fan era, and what he got were mainly people who were John Buscema fans, who just wanted to be in the presence of a great comic book artist and learn from him, etc., but that may not have had that much background. And I, I was really lucky. I was the person in the class who had the most background, um, and so I, I think I think that's why I I don't know if I would, that I was quite ready for Marvel yet. But I, I I think John really felt it was a good idea. If somebody it was good for his class if somebody got got a job there, and maybe maybe he thought better of me than I thought of myself. But I can't I, I'll never know. But uh, I'm really grateful, uh, and what a great guy he was too. Just an amazing amazing person. Well, I want to continue tapping your. Your, your theater background a little bit. Uh, we know Spider-Man has been turned into a musical. Um, and I want to say it was a play at one time as well. I know Superman was. Um, if you were to take a Marvel character from the current times, or even when you were working, what Marvel character would you like to uh, launch onto either off-Broadway or Broadway show? Jeez. Um, let me think about that for a minute. I will tell you a story that I that I did pitch a Batman musical to DC, and uh, the person I talked to, I, I will not say a name, for some reason said, oh, no, we wouldn't be interested in that. And that it, it, this is true. That very night, I went to see a, a play and ran into an old friend named David Ives, who was a playwright, and he said, guess what? I just got a job developing a Batman musical for, for DC. <laughs> Why didn't they just say that it was? Uh, I was too late. But uh, of course, that it hired me, it had to happen. But as as it stands, it never actually got. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But um, the uh, one, gosh, it's see, it's hard. Um, Spider Man had the advantage of not flying. Uh, Superman had the disadvantage of flying. Uh, Superman on stage looked dumber than a post. Uh, Spider-Man, I never saw the darn thing, but uh, it, it always struck me that you could do something with with uh, Spider-Man, uh, and for that reason. And uh, flying, they can do amazing flying, but it's not Superman flying. You know what right. I mean? Right. Um, Peter Pan, they can make fly, but. Uh, Superman, and and what they did back back that was quite a while ago. They did Superman musical, and and they they did Peter Pan type flying, and, and nah, that's not that's not Superman. Um, I would. Um, I, I obviously don't know the answer, so I'm thinking about it. Uh, um, I think Hawkeye could work well. I think he could work very well, especially the um, the most recent incarnation where you've got him uh, kind of living in a, in a less affluently. I think uh, I think that might work. The uh, uh, you, you, I think I think it would be good for it to have a character that his secret identity might be as important as his uh, 
superhero identity. Uh, and I'm probably leaving out somebody that would just be brilliant. I don't know how well they adapt to the stage, um, really. Um, I, I think part of the um, reason of the breakthrough of, of superheroes was in, in film was, was just the advent of um, industrial light and magic um, in the first place. And of course, now just, you know, the, the tons of CGI stuff that can be done. Um, and it, it enabled um, the, the concept of the superhero to actually exist, uh, along with just the persistence of uh, people like Stan and uh, um, Hobby uh, to that that student, that comic book heroes done as comic book heroes without violating them uh, very much uh, can work uh, for a, for a very general audience and for a long time I think Hollywood was almost ashamed of the idea of doing a superhero comic or they really felt no no we have to rewrite this and they I uh, had the misfortune of uh, or or fortune I'm not sure which of uh, doing the movie adaptation of the of the old spy of the old uh, Captain America movie the the one from the 1980s and uh it's terrible <laughs> my god it was awful and uh you know I, but, but it was primarily because they just could not quite bring themselves to we, we have to change it around um and i think you'd have to change it around probably even more for the for for theater so i'm not i'm not really sure i'm not really sure but that's a, that's that's my my long I, I i tend to paddle when i'm not sure about something so I don't, I don't have a good answer. Uh, okay, I, well, let's I like, it. I like the idea, Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, being, I, I think you could do fun, some fun special effects with arrows popping out of things, because uh, uh, they, they have, they, they, back, you know, they were, they've always been machines that they built for, uh, for, for Robin Hood movies, for instance, where what you're really seeing is the arrow coming zooping out of the target, right? Uh, and that's an old stage trick, and uh, so something like that could, uh, could be fun. Um, Probably going to be all kinds of stories about people who got accidentally shot with arrows. Um, but I think I think Hawkeye might be a good choice. Uh, he doesn't even swing around very much, you know. It's, it's... No. Now, having drawn Hawkeye to seeing Jeremy Renner's version of Hawkeye, costume-wise, were you disappointed that they didn't do a variation of the traditional well, I, costume form for the movies? Well, I, I, th- I think I don't. I don't think they would have quite, but they would have. They would have redesigned it, but. Uh, uh, but I think that that you know that Hawkeye's costume, especially the one that I was back when I was drawing it. My first reaction to drawing it was, "This is a silly costume." And then I thought, "Yeah, that's good for him. He's kind of a silly character in yeah. in, in his way." I mean, I don't mean I don't mean you don't take him seriously, but but he he uh, he he would probably be, would be the guy that would enjoy having a kind of a, a goofy outfit. Uh, uh, Jeremy Renner's version is not that it's not that guy you know he he wouldn't dress that way and i and i think that that with the way he dresses is appropriate uh it's just uh, uh jeremy renner is uh, jeremy renner isn't at least as of this time is not a comic actor i think hawkeye has to be a, that the hawkeye that that hydra would have to be somebody who's naturally on on the comic side that doesn't and again that doesn't mean jeremy renner is not a good actor i think because there are there are plenty of chris pratt probably couldn't do what jeremy renner can do uh but but there he's in a different category you know it's it's a it's a and I, I don't, I don't know that they've quite figured the character out yet. Um, uh, he seems to be the one, one of the least developed in the Marvel uh, 
movies, uh, nor has he really had to be. He hasn't played that that role, and it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him shoot 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 arrows and stuff. But uh, um, I, I didn't know. I don't. But anyway, that's that's my answer. I guess I don't think. I think I think the the, the Hawkeye was was uh, some, there are some characters that that had. I, I like. I've always liked that Wonder Man had the worst costumes of anybody <laughs> that I ever had to draw. He I I, I drew him originally originally in uh, I think it was a super villain team up where the Avengers got involved eventually and he had this strange green green and white outfit that with it looked like sort of strange scroll work in it and stuff and uh, that doesn't really bad but okay and and then he, by the time I drew him again he had the bush jacket which was yeah. which was kind of fun to draw but I said who the hell wears a red bush jacket I mean that's Weird, and then finally he got just the big, the big uh, W on his on his T-shirt, and then that was that was sort of okay. Um, the, uh, the 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 real problem Hollywood has with uh, with I think with with the superhero outfits is that uh, as they evolved over the years, especially after Neil got Neil Adams got involved, was basically these guys were wearing body paint. You know, they weren't were even wearing lycra. They were wearing they were painted bodies. And uh, you know, except that when when it got down to nipples, you didn't superheroes. It, it must they, the clothes were so tight that you clearly that would be that one of the basic things that had to happen to you you went somewhere and had your nipples taken removed and uh, um, men or women and uh, uh, but but all that all your muscles showed completely you know it was and and that's you know really hard to do in a film and probably not wanted you know it's it's uh, um, it, it's worked kind of in the x-men with uh, what's her name the, the, the purple girl uh, help me mistake mistake yeah mistake. yeah and mystique, you know, so that, that that kind of rubber paint that they use on her, and um, but but basically that's 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 why you know they they all have to be redesigned a little bit, um, and and if you have God forbid that you have you know any any um, any body fat whatsoever, if if you're we're wearing that kind of stuff, so so the costumes are all, all, all go a slightly different direction in the films anyhow. So what were some of your favorite costumes to to draw? <laughs> um, I Aside like, from Wonder Man, of course. <laughs> yes, I like drawing the Black Widow. Uh, I don't know why. I think, I mean, I, it's fun to draw uh, superheroines, but uh, but she was probably the first one that I had drawn that I had really liked when Gene Colan had done her in Batman, I guess. And in the, in the Daredevil, I'm sorry. In Daredevil. And I uh, then I had the chance to draw her right off the bat. And I, I liked her, and I liked the fact that she had the shiny black outfit. It was fun to draw a shiny black outfit. Um, I liked drawing when I did Shadow Man in the 90s. I liked getting rid of his costume. He had this strange, uh, you know, why was he wearing a blue leotard and why did it have kind of booties? Like, like you know, what, what, what was that thing? And I said, I guess sort of like, like Dr. Denton's was, was the impression that I got. I'm sorry, whoever did it. <laughs> I didn't like it. And I was drawing the character. So I had him um, cut it up and I shredded it in a couple of stories and had him decide that he was going to wear jeans and a, and a t-shirt. And I, I, joined, I enjoyed the idea that he didn't really have a costume, that he kept changing it around. And 
uh, so I liked I liked that one. Uh, I uh, uh, and, and, and I just get strange ideas. I like I like I liked drawing the Hulk. Uh, the very few times that I got to do it because the pants made no sense whatsoever. I mean, clearly he ripped the pants to shreds every time he turned into the Hulk, but you couldn't have him do that. So he had these strange purple pants that that somehow managed to go from a size 32 to a size 103. Um, <laughs> Super stretch and, waistband. <laughs> uh, yep. The um, Doctor Doom. I love doing Doctor Doom because um, he was sort of the the original. I, I always thought of him as the original steampunk guy. He 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 he. he it always looked like he'd, he'd riveted together it all together himself. And uh, so I talked about a disappointment in the films. That was the that was the worst one. Was no no that's not Doctor Doom. I know what Doctor Doom is like. He's the head of a of a country called Latveria. He's not no no. Uh, but maybe they'll maybe they'll try redoing it sometime. Um, um, I think the whole stuff I really liked doing. Um, I liked uh, Submariner because he had wings on his heels, and that made no sense whatsoever. So that was okay. <laughs> I always kind of liked doing things that, that had no they, there was no logic to them. It was um, the, I can say without um, any qualms that the, that the one I hated doing was Spider Man because of all the webbing, and uh, that if you if your anatomy was off in any way when you did the webbing, you immediately found it out, and there was no way of disguising it. It was uh, it was a gotcha. Um, what else have I done? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, well, on I, the I subject, always liked, I, I liked the vision. I, I always liked the vision. On the subject of Spider-Man, um, there's one issue that I really, really have been dying to, to ask you about, and it's you uh, you wore several hats. You know, you were the, you were the cover artist, the penciler, and the editor, and that is uh, Spider-Man uh, teaming up with the Not Ready for Primetime Players back in Marvel Team Up number seventy-four. Yeah, that was there, fun. Could you talk a little bit about how that issue came into being? Because you say you know stuff that doesn't make any sense and totally off the wall. Well, I think that should be like the poster child issue for that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it was um, Chris Claremont's idea, and he came in and pitched it. And uh, I think he pitched it to Shooter, who then uh, came to me. Uh, usually that was the way it went, because Shooter had to okay things anyway. So it usually went from the Shooter down rather than from uh, us up, unless it was you know an idea that, that came from the editorial staff. But if you were coming into pitching, you'd probably go to Jim in the first place. And Jim came to me because I was the editor of Team Up. And I said, sure, I love the idea. And I love the idea because I already knew I was going to assign myself to draw it. There was no question about that. I was going to do that one. And I didn't do a lot of uh, comics during the six months I was editor because uh, it just wasn't time. But that was a it, it was not a it was not going to be it was out of continuity and it wasn't going to be continued. You know, it, so that one felt like um, something I could work on. And I knew we would get to go to 30 Rock uh, and hopefully meet some of those people. And I was a big fan of uh, Saturday Night Live, that, that especially that, that first cast was just legendary. You know, yeah, that's, they were as, yeah that's the best cast of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, and, it, and well, they were the money, they were the American money Pythons. Uh, you know, it just, it just, and it was, it was so new. Uh, it was, it was comedy that was outrageous yeah, in a wonderful way. And it felt like the era too. Cause remember, this is the era of the National Lampoon. 
and the National Lampoon and SNL over overlapped, and it was all this sort of uh, slightly anarchic humor that was um, just hadn't been seen before. Right. Uh, and um, so it was great, and um, so we did. We got to go to go to Thirty Rock, and um, the uh, we, then we got to go meet Belushi at uh, the. We didn't really meet them very much. We were sort of sort of told we'll stay out of their hair, stay the send back. We can make some sketches, get the feel of the place, take some photographs, but but you know don't start interfering. They have enough to do with getting the show on every week. So, but then we um, Belushi uh, invited us to the uh, uh, opening party for uh, Animal House, and we we went over and got to give the deliver. We gave the cover to Belushi, who who was quite a comic book fan, and and that was that it was all it was all a big thrill, and we were all we all got to be fanboys, and that was great. And I had one strange moment of triumph in the whole thing, which was uh, as we were putting it together, one question was going to be, well, it's Team Up, and and Team Up's logo was always Spider-Man and whoever he was teaming up with. And, of course, we we first thought, well, let's put all the SNL people up and down one side of the book. I liked that idea because I thought it would look like the old um, Blackhawk comics with all the Blackhawks. You know, but but uh, that wasn't what that wasn't wanted. That wasn't the, the Marvel. Uh, I don't know if it was Jim or whoever said, "No, nah, no, nah, we don't want to do that." Well, have to, we need to figure out something so that it it, it it catches your eye, and we'd have to figure out which which one came first and stuff like that. And we we definitely decided that we couldn't pick out one. You know, we couldn't just put Spider-Man meets John Belushi or Spider-Man meets Dan Aykroyd or Chevy Chase. It had to be um, something that incorporated them all. And finally, I said, "Well, why don't we use the NBC?" symbol and everybody thought that solved it so that's what we we told them we were going to do and ran that by nbc who said yes and then we got a call from their lawyers and their lawyers asked us to come in me my assistant uh the um claremont and i think i think shooter may have been that i don't remember and who had this serious serious talk that we want to talk to you about using this symbol and it has to be this symbol and it can never be it can't be a rectangle it can't change in any way it has to be exactly this simple do you and we thought this is very puzzling of course we're going to use it just like the nbc symbol what is this all about and that finally hit me exactly what this was about and i said not to worry i'm the editor and i understand i'm from nebraska and the, the, the lawyer just went pale and said well you know what i'm talking about then and i said yes i do and he said all right then and went away and my, uh, the, the people that were with me said what was that about <laughs> And it was that a few years earlier, when they had brought out that symbol, they managed to create a symbol at a at an amazing cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars to an ad agency. That was exactly the same symbol that had been created by Nebraska Educational Television uh, by their staff artist. And Nebraska sued them, and they settled eventually by giving Nebraska a, a multi-million dollar remote truck. And and so that was that was the story of the um, of the NBC logo that uh, why, why the lawyer went pale when I mentioned Nebraska and I thought a small moment of triumph with a New York lawyer yes yes <laughs> ah take that bloodsucker now that's something I so, was completely unaware of and see now I've learned something I wasn't careful. 
Um, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was fun. It was, um, uh, Chris Claremont is an avid TV watcher. I'm not, I knew all of the stuff about, uh, Saturday night live that needed to be known, but he kept throwing in all these other TV shows in the book. It was going to be the all TV show. And he threw in stuff from mesh and I am, I had never watched mesh and, uh, you know, stuff like that was the hard part about it. Uh, and I think Chris kept wondering, I wish he was, I, I'm not sure he was the right person doing this book, but we had Marie Severin who helped a lot with, uh, she inked it. And Marie, Marie Severin was a great caricature person and, uh, she'd worked for the original mad, et cetera. And, uh, so it was, she was, she was a great woman or is, I think she's still alive. And, um, it was very helpful to me on that one and everything else that I did while I was an editor. It's great to work with. Did you hear any feedback from like some of the other SNL cast members on it? Uh, just, you know, just anybody just come up and say, Hey, I liked it or Hey, you got my nose wrong. No, That's sort of thing. No, 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 nothing came. Nothing came around. I, uh, we, we, I never heard anything. Uh, and um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if anybody else did. I think Shooter would be the one who would know. If you ever get Jim Shooter on Ask Him That Question, okay, he'll one tell you more about, about, more about Belushi. He has more Belushi stories than I do. Okay, one final question about this issue. Whose idea was it to put in Statler and Waldorf? Uh, Claremont's. Okay. <laughs> That's what I mean about him being the the ultimate TV fan. So, and but I I loved that. That was that was great. And then I have that on my on my fan page. I've got I've got a Facebook fan page, and, and the 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 wallpaper is the uh, the uh, splash page from uh, Spider Man meets Not Ready for Primetime Players. Awesome. What were some of the other um, favorite books you had done in the past that weren't? Some of the mainstream character or like mainstream titles. Um, well, my all-time favorite was the um, uh, Emperor Doom, the uh, graphic novel that uh, uh, Dave Michelini wrote, and it featured the uh, West Coast Avengers and the East Coast Avengers and Doctor Doom and the Purple Man, uh, and I, I think it's just a, a, a fun story. It's also remember I remember I was talking about the. Uh, uh, the, the fact that, that stories get recycled inadvertently, yep, yep. and and the um, the basic premise of it was one that I had done three times at Marvel. This was the third time that I had done this story. Once um, with um, uh, about mind control. Once it was Doctor Doom again, who infected the world with gas that he, everybody should make him the emperor. And uh, it was it was yeah, I, I seem to remember Shooter calling it the, the cosmic eraser story. So he said, supposing this eraser were cosmic and with this eraser, I could get everybody to bow down to me. And I think he may just have kept assigning that story to people, hoping somebody would get it right. And I think David Michelini finally, finally succeeded with that. But I don't think anybody remembered that I was the one that had drawn it each time. The second time it was Moondragon and the Avengers. And uh, the third time it was it was Dave uh, doing doing Emperor Doom, uh, kidnapping the Purple Man and imprisoning him in a prison that sent out Purple Man rays all over every place that uh, that, that people wanted Doctor Doom to be the, the ruler of the world, and he became the ruler of the world. And he was going to make everything right. And the interesting thing was, you got to remember, this is the 80s. So he um, he immediately ended apartheid in South Africa and uh, sent the Russians uh, home from Afghanistan. And um, 
he fixed everything, but there was no free will anymore. So it all became a, a, a story about free will and the Avengers demanding free will. And eventually, Dr. Doom deciding that the world was boring to him, too boring to live in a world where there was no free will and he had no antagonists. So, uh, but I love drawing it and I got to ink it myself. I, I treasure the one, the times that I had the chance to ink my own work at, uh, at Marvel because I didn't get to do it very often. And that was one where I did. Okay. If Marvel were to call you today and say, Bob, we want you to come back. You have free reign to choose a title or a character or even a mashup character uh, combination. Who would you choose? Um, I'm not completely sure. I think that if I were to pitch something tomorrow, it would be to bring back Dr. Druid. And the reason for that, who I actually did once, uh, is I, 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 w- I would bring him back as a, uh, a para-supernatural investigator that he set up an office and that he, uh, there are people that live inside his walls and things. And, uh, uh, but when I, and, and the reason for this is that when I went, uh, let me tell you first about getting, working at Valiant. Um, Jim Shooter, uh, I called Jim, Jim up because I needed work and said, uh, it started Valiant and he had told me once, he said, come over and work for us anytime. And I said, I'm, I'm ready. And he said, well, we don't need artists right now. What we need are writers. And he uh, offered me a choice of five different books that they needed writers for. It wasn't that they were being badly written. It was just that they were, it was getting to be exhausting. It was taking off and they didn't have enough writers to fill it out. And, uh, and I picked the one that I thought wasn't working, which was Shadow Man. And that was because I felt, hey, I, there are a lot of good people working for Valiant. Shadow Man has had a different writer. It, the writer has cha- had changed. I think they'd done six issues, issues, and the writer had changed either three or four times. The artist had changed as many times. It wasn't that anybody was doing it badly. It was that they they but they hadn't really been able to settle on a on, on this is how this book ought to be. And I think rather than shaking up something in the Marvel world and doing a you know doing a Frank Miller and coming in and I'm going to turn this character completely around and make it my own, I, th- I think the idea of going in and doing a character that was not developed or a secondary character and seeing where you could do with him, uh, where, re- where you really could kind of have ownership of it and develop it. And frankly, nobody would really, if you succeeded, it would look great. If you, if you didn't succeed, you would be in, in pretty good company. And um, you could probably develop that world for that character pretty much as you pleased. And that that would appeal to me. Uh, I think being the next artist to take on Captain America would be a little bit exhausting, just in terms of my God. First of all, I got to go back and read every Captain America that's ever been done, and um, I uh, and you really that it's wonderful to continue that that character with that kind of a backlog, but it also carries a lot of uh, weight and and a certain degree of responsibility with it. And so I, I think my preference would be to pick a character that I think has never quite been developed in a way that it could be and, and go with it. And in this case, the one that comes to mind is Dr. Good, because I thought about him one day. I said, gee, whatever happened to him? He's probably died, been resurrected, died, been resurrected, uh, kicked around. And uh, why don't you do something with him that says, God, I died and been resurrected, died and been resurrected. I had hair and then I didn't have hair again. And 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 what am I going to do? I'm going to start a business away from New York someplace over where they need a good 
second-rate magician and, and, and see what I could do with it. Now, you did an Avenger spotlight on him once, didn't you? Yeah, that, that's why I remember him. Yes, it was uh, uh, where he finally sort of redeemed himself after having been taken in by the uh, 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 Enchantress uh, for all that time of the Avengers. And uh, uh, I forget who, it was, who, who wrote it. It was a nice little story where he tied up the... And uh, the, the, it tied up a lot of loose ends and where he decided that he it was OK that he wasn't the Sorcerer Supreme. He was that he just would be the best possible doctor to it or something like that. It was all very um, happy ending ish, which was probably uh, maybe not the best part of the story. But I, but I, I, I liked doing him again because he was sort of like, well, this, this poor character has been kicked around a lot. I'm glad, to be, I'm glad to get him out of that hole. And I wonder if anybody will ever do anything with him again. But I did not attempt to write at Marvel. I don't know why. I, I look back at it now and say, why didn't I never do that? I could have, I could have signed myself as a writer. Um, and I never did. And I, I puzzled about that. I needed, I think I needed to be given permission, which is stupid because uh, I enjoyed more than anything else things that I, uh, the things that I've been able to write and, and draw my, myself. Now, we've mentioned a couple times uh, here that at the end of some of the different Avenger movies, we're like, they are so close to a West Coast Avenger team up have you seen that uh would you be interested in in possibly writing or co-writing a a west coast avengers movie script oh sure sure the uh well first of all you know it'd be it would be such fun to be a part of that movie scene the uh, i think it would be uh great to write it uh, uh, and if you have any connections with the movie business you can tell them bob hall would really like to do this <laughs> um <laughs> I think, uh, and I and I think part of that would be uh, it would you could have a different cast of characters, of course, but uh, it it might be an interesting way to um, as the Infinity um, Stone Wars you know becomes whatever it becomes. But I, it, it sounds like there's going to be a change of cast um, throughout the Marvel universe as after that, yeah. and a lot of those guys are leaving and uh, and doing something. Uh, like a West Coast Avengers might be a good way to reassemble some people into a, a different a different format. I think uh, I, I think that would work very well. Um, I I would there, there are various things I'd love to see them do. I'd love to see them do Howard the Duck, but not with the current Howard the Duck. That isn't Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is the duck that Disney made Marvel put pants on. And and I think if they could go back to that character uh, now that Disney owns it, why not? Because uh, they claimed he was too much like Donald Duck, and uh, yes, that was the problem. That was the fun of it. He came from the same dimension where Donald Duck lived. You know, he never said that, but but that was clearly what the fun way. It was a real what if? What if somebody from that dimension came into from the Karl Barks dimension came into the Marvel dimension, and and um, with without that, it was nothing. Um, I've always uh, thought that they ought to do a. Everybody thinks they ought to do a, a Black Widow movie with Scarlett yeah. Johansson before she takes off. Now, when when you say Howard the Duck, uh, a new Howard the Duck movie, are you saying more of the look from uh, the original film done by George Lucas? I, I mean, no, no, that, no. That was no. That was it. Wasn't even close. It was. Uh, it, the problem was that the look was everything. It was uh, you know designed by Val Mayerick and. And then uh, uh, reinterpreted by, a bit by Gene Colan, but in the same pattern. But it, he really did look like uh, like like he was from the same species as Donald Duck, and and he he didn't have pants, and he 
you know, he, he, he was clearly out of that. And, and, and he, he, I don't know exactly what he ought to talk like, but he seemed like a cross between Groucho Marx or W.C. Fields with a little bit of, with a lot of tough guy thrown in and uh, was nothing like the, like the Lucas guy. I think with CGI, they could do him and, and do it and do it well. But I'd, I'd hate to see that. I hate to see that same, that same guy come back. He's, he's, he's not Howard. I'm envisioning Joe Pesci for some reason with, with, yeah. with your description yeah. Joe Pesci of could, with, with your description Joe Pesci of Howard could work. could work. Yeah, yeah, that could work. And he he, he smoked a cigar and and uh, just was a was a nice grouchy little fella. It was it was it was it really was just it was one of those things that soared. It absolutely took off and and became extremely popular for a short time, and then it wasn't. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I I'm a huge Howard the Duck fan, and I I did enjoy the movie when it was out. But again, I was still kind of young and stupid because it came out when I was in high school. Um, but just to see Howard on the big screen was great. Uh, I loved the comics. I, I loved when it came mm-hmm. back Me with too. Chip Zdarsky. Uh, his run was great. Um, w- would you like to see West Coast Avengers or Avengers West Coast uh, come back as a comic title? I don't. I really don't care. Uh, I, I would I hate to say that but I but I um uh, I almost can't answer that because it's uh, the, the I it's been uh, sorry Barbell fans but uh, it's been a, a a couple of years now uh, since I really have steadily read any Marvel stuff at all, and it's not that it's not good. Uh, I think it is good, and every once in a while somebody will point out a, a series to me, like they, that the Hawkeye series uh, that, that they um, did a few, couple of years ago, or yeah. the, the the one that that particular time of the series uh, with the um, I never can pronounce the guy's name, the artist, but what was wonderful and. Um, um, uh, so I, I know they're doing good. Is that David Aja, Aha? David Aha. 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 Yeah. Right. Is it just Aha? I've never heard it pronounced out loud. This is the first time I ever heard it. And I've always been kind of afraid to say it. <laughs> but it was, it was great. It was superb. And um, But I, I've been through those characters. I didn't know there's there's something about them that I, I, I've gotten, I've kind of gotten tired Um of uh, and I and I wanted to let them go for a while. That doesn't mean I won't come back and sort of do a binge read of to bring myself up to date on Captain America, who I've always loved following, or uh, the Avengers. Or but there was there was also that point at which uh, oh god, they're doing another. A great battle in which I have to read all of the comics, and I won't know which one finally ties it up. Yeah. Uh, whether I'm reading the new Avengers or yeah. the Avengers Avengers, or and I I, I kind of got I kind of got uh, tired of it because first of all I thought I thought there was some bad writing going on, not by the writers per se, but by the developers that that editorially, you know, you're man, you're stretching these things out yeah. a lot longer than uh, which is my actually is my complaint about um, several of the Marvel uh, uh, not even Marvel the DC as well the, the TV series is the um, that they sometimes stretch stuff just beyond uh, you know I want this I want this storyline to end now please <laughs> but you're going to go on for five more episodes really really and uh, and, and, and with, with very good actors I mean the, the, the plus side of all that is that man they should use great actors um and uh but i remember jessica jones who just just was like you know please i i i 
I, I know you don't like David Tennant, but uh, uh, he's a bad guy. But first of all, if you if you give him enough screen time, he's probably the most appealing person in in the in the in the in the, in the series. There's there's no denying that David Tennant is just, you know, I, I yeah, no, let me let me watch more of him. Just let him let him eat spaghetti. I don't care what he does. <laughs> And and you get so you, so so you keep you keep watching these 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 episodes over and over. You say no no this storyline should have ended. It was it's good or bring in another story. Let me deal with that story. Keep this one in the background and bring it back. You know keep doing something but just pounding on it all the time. I've not liked that part of it. I've liked the development. I've liked and I found that what I what I end up doing is uh, to enjoy them more. Is is the problem is that too that I and I got to admit this, I binge watch. I don't watch them on a weekly basis. And so I, it's easier to get kind of sated with something that is meant to be watched, you know, with a week's respite. And instead, I'm trying to watch them back to back. So I finally stopped doing that. And I watched three of them and let them go. And then I watched three of them and let them go. And I found, yeah, yeah, it works a lot better that way. Well, hey, that's how they meant them to be seen, isn't it? Um, so, so give them a break. But it was kind of like, oh, Jessica, Jessica is is David Tennant. He's really terrible. He's really awful. And I will now snap his neck in two minutes. And I could have done that a long time ago, but I didn't do it because then the series was over. But that's <laughs> just me. What can I say? No. And you snap David Tennant's neck, you idiot, Miriam. Don't <laughs> snap his neck. He's wonderful. <laughs> uh, but then I was a Doctor Who fan. So. <laughs> Um, was the one? So, so it, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say that I that I, uh, uh, I I just kind of ran out of steam with some of them because uh, the other thing is that I feel I'm old. I feel I've I've kind of seen these characters go through their angst and their searches and their stuff, and and I, I may be ready to stop. I may be ready to stop reading some of them. Um, you know, these I've lived with these characters a long time now, so. Right. And that it does it does happen, friends. It does happen. What's the one Marvel character that doesn't have a title now that would bring you back mm. to reading Marvel? Mm, mm, mm. Gee, I don't know who doesn't have a title because <laughs> I haven't read it in a couple of years. Yeah, name, name characters who don't have, the, have their own books now. Uh, uh, Howard has ended. Um, uh, I, I think I think uh, I think it's somebody that really did something wonderful with Wonder Man. I always loved I always loved him, God, uh, uh, especially as he developed in in West Coast and then on into. He was really the hero of. Uh, um, Emperor Doom. So I, I loved I loved that character. I, th- I think if somebody that yeah, I think he would be he would be like Doctor Doom. That would be another good title for me. I'd say if I could do something and really really nail um, Wonder Man, I think uh, that would be fun. Okay. <laughs> well, would you bring back the bush jacket for him? Hmm? Would you bring back the bush jacket for him? Um, I would keep it in the closet and have him pull it out and look at it every once in a while and put it back in <laughs> and have his girlfriend if he had a girlfriend say you got to give that a good to know. I really can't do it. It's really someday. It's going to come back. Just wait. It's going to come back. I'll bet you it's going to come back. Um, the bush jacket never bothered me. It was the fact that he was walking around in California heat with a turtleneck on. That bothered me more than anything. Just saying. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. Yep. 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 Uh, well, and a bush jacket. A turtleneck and a bush jacket. Yeah. Sometimes it's a turtleneck, though. Even, even when you eventually yeah. got to the turtleneck. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, we thank you for coming on the show with us this week. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, um, www.bobhall.com. Easy to remember. 
And uh, you can find me on, uh, I have a uh, Facebook fan page, uh, Bob Hall Comic Artist. So you can go there and uh, that's where I'll announce uh, that. Uh, if you, if you, you know, if you go to the website and you click on uh, the blog, you just, it just ends you up back on the, on the comic page. So you can find it any number of ways. And, uh, that's where I'll announce comic appearances and con appearances and stuff like that. Okay. And then, yeah, I've been doing one of those. Where are you guys, where are you guys located? Uh, I'm in Kissimmee, Florida, and mm-hmm. Kylan is in Kent, Ohio. Akron. Akron. Okay. I'm sorry. And yeah, don't I have again, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have played Akron. No, I've I've done a, I did a comic con in Akron a, a couple of years ago. Maybe I'll come, uh, you, maybe I'll come back to Akron. Akron, you you did Akron Comic Con? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. You know, I was it the first year, first or second year? You think? Might have been. I know. I don't really. I don't really remember. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been three, three, four, five years ago. Yeah. I was there. Oh my gosh. Okay. I probably walked by your okay. booth and yeah. Oh man. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, that mistake won't happen again. Yeah. I promise you. A <laughs> no, lost opportunity. <laughs> So there, there you go, folks. Don't walk by my booth. You will regret it later on. <laughs> oh, uh, my gosh. At least, stop and, at least stop and stop and say hello <laughs> and very and then, friendly. And then Eric is in the Birmingham, Alabama area. Well, that's correct. Oh, cool. Just a little I more. I would love it. If you, if, if, now, you guys, that, except for the Akron guys, if, I've never done comic Con in any of these places. So if any of you have any in your vicinity and you can talk me up, tell them to bring me out. I will do I'd love that to go back to, as much as I can. Definitely will have okay. to. Okay. I'd love to go. I, I, I did years ago, I did the Alabama Shakespeare Festivals, but I'd love to come back to that. I'd is love to come back to Alabama. Beautiful place. That's isn't a great it? place. Great place. Great place. Yeah. yeah. I used to live in um, so it's, the, I, I would go by there every so often just because I love the look of the place. The, 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 the look of the place, and they had these amazing black swans, mm-hmm. and they, the, guy, the guy who was running the place told me that, that years ago when they first started it, and they wanted black swans like they have on, on the, the Avon River where Shakespeare was born, and they wanted black swans, and they called up the Queen's Swan Keeper in England and said, where do you get your black swans? We need some. And they told him, he said, where are you? And they said, we're in, in, in Alabama. And he said, well, we get them just up the river from you. <laughs> the guy who breeds black swans in Alabama. And that's where we get them. <laughs> so, that's great. Small world Home of black spawns. I never would have guessed it. Well, yep, yep, I, there you go. I will definitely. Now you never, you don't hear, you don't hear those kind of things on most comic podcasts. You know, oh, you no. don't get that kind oh. of information. No. <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, th- thank you <laughs> for co- pleasure. Thank you for coming on with us. And uh, sure, I enjoyed it. Thanks for putting up with my uh, problems trying to get on Skype. Oh, uh, was... we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not a problem. We, we we were so happy to have you tonight. Great. I'm glad to be there. This is fun. Right. Thank Good you. Good night, so everybody. Good night. Good night out there in Marvel Land. Thank you. Cool. So that wraps up another week here at the above ground underwater suborbital volcano lair. Uh, it was great having a a childhood crush of ours w- who created West Coast Adventures, probably one of the better Avengers titles out there. Um, so uh, other than that, there's only one thing left to do. Jarvis, if you would, please. Yeah. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. Dark. <laughs>